are listening to the Devil's Talking Potters podcast for East Village Times. Coming to you from the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism and Mass Communication, here are your hosts, Dominic Stern and Bobby Murphy. Welcome to Devil's Talking Padres. I'm Dominic Stern, joined as always by Bobby Murphy. Bobby, you missed the last episode. And of course, history happens. Next game. What an amazing series for the San Diego Padres to come in to Texas, just like they did last year, and get the sweep. And of course, the, the headliner was Joe Musgrove's no-hitter uh, on Friday night. I mean, that, that was just so incredible uh, to finally get that no-hitter in Padres franchise history. It took 52 years, but... They finally got it done. What were your thoughts and what was your reaction when that happened? It, um, as you said, I mean, 52 years, I believe it was 8,206 games. But it, um, when I saw that last ground ball, uh, saw that play at first, I was just, just, I was just insane. I was insanely happy. I know you were too. I was glad I, I was able to celebrate with you that night. But what I, what I first thought after the last out was the LeBron quote, it's about damn time. The Padres elusive no hitter. We're the last team in the MLB to not have a no hitter. And now we finally got it. I was just insanely happy. I was crying. I teared up a little bit and it was just insane that the San Diego kid, Joe Musgrove could get that done. So he pitched an insane game, had 10 strikeouts, 112 pitches. And of course, nine innings and no hits. And it makes me think, I mean, you could say that about any single play if, if, but just think about it. if you didn't, if you didn't have that one hit by pitch, but I'll take the no hitter, of course. Just don't want to sound greedy and say I'll take that, but that was absolutely insane to watch, and it was just so cool to see Padres history and MLB history being made that night. If beggars cannot be choosers about it not being a perfect game, I, I agree with you on that point. And yeah, I mean, similar to you, I, I, I was through the roof. I, I cry. I was honestly pretty shocked that I didn't, but. I was live on Instagram. I didn't want to make a fool out of myself. I mean, hands were up in the air as soon as the ball was hit on the ground, you know, in a position to where you felt like it wasn't going to be a hit. You saw Kim field it. You saw him throw it across the diamond. Profar caught it. And, uh, yeah, history right there. And that was an incredible way to start the series and received a lot of congratulations amongst, uh, amongst friends because I think they knew a lot about what this meant to the franchise. And I don't want to say it was the most historic night in franchise history, because of course the Padres have made it to two world series. They've won playoff series in the past, but I mean, that was something that had never been done in the Padres 8,206th game. The Padres finally threw a no hitter. That was the longest streak in baseball history. The Mets, of course, uh, they were the 29th team to get the no hitter in, but I believe when it was in 2009, when Johan Santana got it for the Mets, uh, there were only just over 8,000 games, so uh, they, they definitely came before the Padres, but their streak was shorter than the Padres. So, I mean, a ton of history there, and it was really funny getting the congratulations, Dom, and I'm like, I ain't do anything. I, I just sat on my chair and watched the game. So uh, that, that was a ton of fun, and I think a lot of people realized, you know, what this meant to us, and uh, it was certainly cool to, uh, to reap the benefits. It was a fun night, like you mentioned, and I was – was shocked I was able to uh, be uh, be active and be productive the next day because uh, I thought I was going to go a little harder than I did, but I I, I, can, I controlled myself. All, all credit to me there in that aspect. So yeah, you uh, you agree with me on that point? Oh yes, of course, Tom. We had a great night uh, celebrating the no hitter. Glad uh, we were able to be together for that. But uh, 
Yeah, just one, one other thing I want to talk about, which is Caratini caught an amazing game. I'll, we'll get more to him later in this episode, but just the, just the way he caught that game was phenomenal, and uh, which I honestly forgot about. Um, I, I did not know that he caught Alec Miller's no-hitter last year. So that's back-to-back MLB no-hitters caught by Victor Caratini. And that was just so cool to see him catch that game. That was an amazing game that he caught. And of course, pitched by Musgrove. The defense was also phenomenal. The hard hit line drives to Myers, to Cronenworth. Those were phenomenal plays that if you just take one step, one wrong read late in the game like that, that ball drops and there's a hit. So just kudos to Cronenworth, to Myers, and to the entire defense, uh, of course, including Caratini for that performance. That was ecstatic. And it was just phenomenal to be able to watch that live of course we've seen will myers and other potters outfielders botch hard hit line drives before and no, nothing else stands out to me than the uh the franchi cordero uh ball on the tyson ross game where the only hit allowed that game was a line drive that was certainly captionable uh it was a hard hit franchi came in and the ball went over his head and the scorer ruled it a hit you know, you, you could you could gripe about it, but that was the only hit that the downbacks got that game, and uh, that ruined at what time felt like was going to be a no hitter because Tyson Ross was on his A game uh, back in the middle of the 2010s. But yeah, it was it was nuts. And Victor Caratini, he's caught the last two no hitters in MLB. He caught Alec Mills's no hitter back in 2020. First player in MLB history to catch back to back no hitters when both of them came on different teams. And uh, I found that was pretty incredible. And you've heard rave reports from him, from all the Padres pitchers and the coaching staff. And I think that getting this no-hitter, I think only further cemented that. And he's honestly making a case that even when Austin Nola comes back, Caratini could be the primary catcher unless Austin Nola has to say something about it. Yeah, Dom, once Nola gets back, that'll be a that'll be a great battle. I mean, Caratini has been catching phenomenal this year. Uh, he did have a rough game today, but other than that, I mean, he caught a great game as well. We just had to play. He wasn't as good, but earlier in the year, he's been just so clutch with runners in scoring position. And as you said, he's totally going to give Nola a run for his spot. Yeah. You know, Hey, good catcher competition is always fantastic. And that just gives both the guys, the rest that they'll need to be more productive later on in the year. So uh, even if Caratini doesn't take over or if Austin Nola just earns it back, that, that, that it's an ideal situation. The Potters have a catcher right now, but let's talk about the, these games uh, as a whole, because of course there was more than the no header this week, even though that was of course the big storyline Padres end up winning game one, three to nothing. Of course, the no hitter only base runner that got on was the Joey Gallo uh, hit by pitch. You know, it sucks, but Hey, no hitters and no hitter, zero complaints there. Game two, Padres came back, ended up winning 7-4. They're down 3 nothing after Chris Paddock. Struggled early, um, but he was able to hang in there, got through four innings after allowing three runs in the second inning, and, uh, you know, put the Padres in a spot to where they weren't in a bad spot. And the Padres, of course, being the better team that they were in this game, were able to come back. And then, of course, the finale today, as we're recording this, Yesterday, as you're probably listening to this, Potters ended up winning 2 nothing in a bullpen game, basically, after Adrian Morajone went down. Uh, what were your thoughts on Morajone leaving? Yeah, Dom, of course, you never want to see an injury, of course, with Lamette still injured. Uh, it sounds like Lamette will be back soon. Uh, we obviously don't 
don't want to rush him back, but once he's fully healthy, we'll have him at back um, at number three or four. It depends where we put him. Don't want to rush him back too quick, but it hurts having our number five guide, um, get hurt. Of course, with Lamette back, Marihan would move to the bullpen most likely, but he's just another long lever guy. Um, of course, he's the, he's one kind of guy you want in the bullpen where if your starter gets hurt, that Marihan can go four or five innings. But hopefully, uh, I mean, of course, we don't have many lefty starters besides Marihan right now. Um, but she's sorry, we do have Snell. Um, but yeah, hopefully Marihan can be fine. I believe it was a uh, left elbow forearm strain. Um, He's going to be looked at some more tomorrow, but hopefully he can get back. Stamming pitched a great game. Uh, he got the win three and one third with one hit and three Ks um, and just stamming early in the games. I mean, I haven't seen him pitch early in the games a lot, but of course there's today. He was phenomenal. Uh, of course he started the wild card game three last season. Um, and it just gives me, you know, a little bit more faith in salmon. He's not, a huge, um, he's not a fan favorite of the Padres, but I'm liking what I'm seeing from him right now. He pitched great today. And just the rest of the bullpen, Pagan, I mean, he got into a huge, he got into a huge jam. And it was just so cool to see him get out of that. The one thing I want to, to talk about about Caratini was just how hyped he was uh, once Pagan got that last strikeout with the bases loaded um, up up 1-0 at that point, I believe. Um, that was before Machado hit his home run. Um but uh, it was just great to see that just that energy, that hype coming out, coming from Caratini and um, Melanson, of course, with his fifth save of the season has yet to allow an, an earned run. Um, but Melanson, it looks like uh, coming into the season, the Padres never named a closer, uh, but Melanson has been getting all the work and he's five for five on save opportunities so far. So just to see that from the guys, Padres didn't even, we had five hits, same as the Rangers, but two hits that we needed Grisham home run back back-to-back games with the home run for Grish. Awesome to see him come back. He did misplay that ball in the outfield on the line drive, which did not end up hurting us, but we all know how good Grish is defensively with that gold glove he has. But that was a poorly played ball that he just missed on a line drive. But Machado having that that solo home run in the top of the ninth, that was very clutch, gave them some cushion. Um, but, of course, Dom, a 2-0 shutout is beautiful. Uh, coming after uh, the no-hitter, but uh, two games after the no-hitter. But th- that's the Padres' third shutout of the season. We currently lead the MLB in shutouts. Uh, and just a great all-around game by the bullpen pitching. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm concerned about Marijan. Uh, I, I truly am. He's had some injury problems in the past. And the the elbow-forearm strain is normally a, uh, a sign that points towards him possibly getting Tommy John surgery. And uh, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but typically that that's the immediate release that you'll see. And then in the next couple of days, it gets confirmed that he tore his UCL. So hoping that's really not the case because that would suck a ton because Adrian Marjone's a really talented pitcher. And especially for the Padres five pitcher, he's, he's super talented. And yeah, you mentioned it. Trent Grisham was supposed to be the storyline of the series. And of course, Joe Musgrove said, nah, uh, it's, it's going to, it's going to be me throwing a no hitter, but yeah. It was good to have him back. I mean, you could feel it out in center field. Uh, I was just felt so much more confident when every ball was hit out to center field that it was going to get caught. And, you know, Mateo's fast, but he's not Grisham. Like, Grisham's routes and his jumps are so much better. And that's just because Mateo's not a center fielder. Like, that's, that's just the reality of it. So, uh, it was good to have him back. It was good to have his presence up at the top of the lineup. I think it was his third plate appearance in game one. It was a 2-2 count and the opposing pitcher 
threw a great changeup and he just spit on it. I'm like, oh my gosh, I missed that because you forgot just how good his plate discipline was. And uh, it was really fun to see him back out there patrolling center field and of course batting in the leadoff spot. And you know, I, I didn't know that I didn't know if they were going to put him at the leadoff spot to start because Crenworth was hitting well and he also you know has that leadoff type build. But they opted to go with Grisham and Cronenworth got put pushed down in the order. But Cronenworth being down in the order just makes the bottom of that lineup just so much deeper because he also was really good in the series too. So Padres lineup, I think it's going to be better, but they didn't really show it the series. I, I thought they were pretty disappointing offensively with the exception of game two in which they scored seven runs. But to score three runs in the first three innings of game one, you're like, okay, this is looking better. Then didn't score the rest of the game. And then game two was good. And then in game three, they only got five hits and two of them were solo home runs, fortunately, and the bullpen locked it down. But the offense needs to get better because at this time next week, the Potters will be playing the Dodgers on Sunday Night Baseball. And that series could have got ugly if the Potters aren't going to be able to score runs. So uh, that's my series thought. Uh, I mean, I don't feel like we really need to talk about game one because, I mean, that's the no-hitter game. We already kind of brushed up on that. But game two, you know, like I mentioned, Potters fall behind. Uh, Rangers scored three runs in the second inning. Uh, Chris Paddock allowed all three. A uh, couple of hard-hit balls. He only allowed four hits. You know, it's better than what it was in the uh, the Arizona game, but he, he's still got ways to go. The command still isn't there. He's leaving pitches over the middle of the plate. Was able to strike out three in this game, but once again, just wasn't great. Uh, Ryan Weathers came in. And uh, he was able to go two innings, and he allowed a home run as well. He struck out three in two innings. Kellen Hill followed along with Pomeranz and Melanson for the save. The Padres offense was able to get it done uh, in the fourth inning, tallied a couple of runs, Hosmer had a home run. And then Pham had a really weird sack fly with a on the transfer rule that Myers was able to score from second. Hassan Kim got his first home run. Trent Grisham got his first home run. Manny Machado absolutely laced a ball into the outfield. And then another weird play with an error. Uh, what were your thoughts on game two? Hey, Dom, like you said, I mean, Paddock didn't have his stuff really this night. Uh, holding the Rangers to four, four, I mean, not holding them to four runs, but it's the comeback kids. It's just how the Padres were last year. We came back, led the league in comebacks, and just great comeback that in game two as well. Grisham put us ahead, but as you said, with the two-run homer. Machado had that double off the ball to hit him pro far, and that was just an absolute bomb that hit uh, the bottom of the wall in the air. So that was great to see that from from Machado right there. But, yeah, I mean, Hosmer hit an absolute bomb, 435 to center. Um, just love to see Hosmer with that power. He's having a good year so far. Um, but, yeah, when you're talking about that transfer rule, I was so surprised. When I was confused about what happened at first because I thought Myers would be at third. Next thing you know that the run scored. Uh, so that was a kind of odd play right there, but just heads up base running by Myers to see that and take him one extra base to score a run, which did win by three, but every run counts, of course. Every momentum change matters, but just great comeback. Love seeing Kim get his first home run of the season to tie the game in the fifth, um, but just a solid around game by uh, the Padres lineup. Yeah, Will Myers, second best base runner in San Diego. Of course, that's only behind me. I put on base running clinics in our softball games and uh, advancing first to third on line drafts to the left fielder. It's only me. Scoring first, scoring from first on a pop up to the second baseman with two outs. It's only me. But Will Myers is second. So, uh, yeah, those great base running from him. Obviously, I'm being sarcastic. I am a good base runner, though. But yeah, that's what happens. And then, of course, 
Game three, we already talked about it briefly. I mean, Padres, uh, we're hoping to get some distance out of uh, Moreau after Paddock was only able to go four innings. Of course, that just wasn't the case. Not to the fault of Moreau, but he was only able to throw 16 pitches, but the bullpen was locked down. Craig Stammen was phenomenal, as he normally is, and uh, he actually got over his hump of not sucking in his second or even third inning. He's able to record 10 outs, only allowed one hit, one walk, struck out three guys. Taylor Williams recorded four outs, struck out two guys. He, he's been looking a lot better. I was a bit concerned about him coming into the season. I'm still not sure how much longer he's going to be on the Potters with guys like Pierce Johnson, and maybe even Matt Strom coming back soon. But uh, if he keeps pitching like this, it's going to be hard to put him off the roster because he has no options. And then Tim Hill, Came in. He struck out two guys. He uh, he struggled a bit. He hit Joey Gallo again today. I don't know what's with Potters pitchers and hitting Gallo, but he got hit around a couple of times. Austin Adams made his season debut. Uh, you know, his slider happy stuff as usual. He looked good. Through 13 pitches, nine strikes. All of them were sliders. Pagan, a little scary for sure, but he got out of it with the bases loaded. Also kind of got squeezed by the umpire. Through 30 pitches, safe to say that he'll get the day off on Monday, maybe even Tuesday as well. And Mark Melanson came in and got the save. He was efficient as well. Um, the two runs came on at Grisham and the Machado. Solo home runs, and that was all the Padres needed because the bullpen locked it down. And um, The bullpen today was absolutely insane. Like I said, it kind of gave me a reminiscence back to game three against the Cardinals in last year's wildcard round. But I'm so glad to have Austin Adams back. His slider is absolutely disgusting. And he's going to be a great guy for us in the bullpen. Um, and did mention that already, but just Melanson has been phenomenal this year. Um, but yeah, just amazing performance by the Padres bullpen today and clutch hits, clutch home runs by uh, Grisham and Machado when we needed them. Um, but it's just so nice that Grisham back in, back in the lineup. He gives us a great lefty leadoff hitter, phenomenal gold glove defense in center, and just energy in the dugout, which I love to see from him. He's only 24. Um, He's a young, he's a young guy, but he's going to be, he's going to be a star for us in the future. I love Grisham. Trent Grisham did fantastic this series. And of course the home runs, you know, the power wasn't the thing that was highlighted when he came over here, but he's, he's shown it. He's shown that he has some pop and uh, the more he continues to do that, I think the, uh, the better situation that the Potters are going to be in, especially at the top of the lineup. And when Potters potentially get Fernando Tatis Jr. back. Before we get our, to our series preview uh, for the second straight episode, no guest from the opposing team. Just don't know any Pirates fans. It's a relatively small fan base. Pirates fans don't exactly want to show their face at the moment, but, uh, you know, happens, whatever. Uh, but that'll be a four-game series. Uh, Devil and Wildcat of the week. Bobby and I are going to be splitting up duties today. Uh Bobby has the duty of the devil of the week. And I have the duty of the wildcat of the week. So Bobby, I hand it over to you. Who is the devil of the week? It's a pretty easy choice, huh? Yeah, Dom. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I was looking um, just through, just at the stats for, you know, the last two series, thinking about who could have been. And then uh, after about 10 seconds, it hit me that uh, we threw a no hitter. So my devil of the week is uh, San Diego's own Joe Musgrove. Not a hot take at all right there. Um, but I almost forgot about it um, a few days later. But yeah, Joe Musgrove, Potter's first no-hitter in franchise history, is my devil of the week. No surprise there. Um, 10 Ks, 9 innings, no hits. But just a phenomenal performance from Joe Musgrove. And for uh, that no-hitter, uh, no surprise there, uh, Musgrove is my devil of the week. 
Yeah, I mean, that was an easy choice, and you you made the correct decision. My Wildcat of the Week, I feel like this is also a uh, pretty easy choice. Wildcat of the Week goes to, of course, a player who has struggled. And what they need to do, my guy is going to be Tommy Pham. I mean, Tommy just hasn't had his way at the plate. Get it? He got a little unlucky as the season has gone on. He hit some balls well. They're just not traveled. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a results-driven game. And he's just not getting the results that he deserves at the plate. And I think he just needs to relax. He needs to realize that he is not a big part of this Padres team. I think the Padres fans need to to realize that and come to terms with that. I mean, you look at it. And at this point, obviously, Tatis, Machado, and Myers are better than him. Osmond's a better hitter than him. Cronenworth's a better hitter than him. And I think Grisham is also a better hitter than him. And I, that, that puts him at number seven, number eight hitter on our team. And he, of course, is valuable to the Potters, especially with what he brings and veteran experience and in the locker room. But he just needs to go up to the plate and relax because he's a very talented and disciplined hitter. And he just hasn't been doing great. He's finding ways to get on base. But at the same time, like it's just been a struggle for him because he's got a 121 average, he's got zero home runs, he's got one RBI, he's got a 371 OPS so far in the season. It's just been a bad going for Tommy Pham so far, and he needs to figure it out because Padres are paying him a decent amount of money. He, I believe, is like the sixth highest paid Padre, and uh, it's also a, uh, a free agent year for Tommy Pham. Like he's a free agent after this year, and if he wants to go out and make some money, he's got this one last year to make an impression on some people because 2020 wasn't great for him either, and 2021's not off to a great start for him either. Yeah, Don, that's a great choice right there. I mean, we saw him start off in spring training. Of course, you were on on him every single day where he started about 0 for 17. Then he heated up, he heated up after that. I thought he could have taken some of that momentum into the season from the second half of spring training. But um, he's just really struggled so far into the season, as you said, only hitting 121 with one RBI in 10 games. That's not going to cut it. Um, and who knows, maybe just give him a day off, put profile on the outfield. Um, but... Hopefully Tommy Pham can get his groove back because um, like we knew when we'd be getting him, he just, he was an on-base percentage guy. Uh, he just get on base. Uh, he and Profar uh, kind of, I mean, just the new Padres way last year, we just kick guys on base and then just move them from there. Uh, it's not just home run or bust. Like it is when we had some guys like Fremo Reyes, Hunter Renfro. Um, but yeah, just hopefully Tommy Pham can get his groove back and just, you know, start to hit the ball. Right, yeah. He, he's got, he's got to get back to the basics because he's a talented player. All right, let's move on to our series preview. Uh, Padres staying on the road for four-game series against Pittsburgh Pirates, the projected worst team in the National League. They've uh, they've lived up to that that billing so far this year. Currently three and six. They've won their last two games against the Chicago Cubs, but the Cubs' offense has just been pathetic this entire year. And, uh, I mean, the Padres should definitely walk out of the series with three out of four in my mind, are pitching matchups. On Monday, you're getting you Darvish versus Trevor Cahill. Cahill, so far in the season, has pitched four innings and allowed seven earned runs. So hopefully the Padres can uh, continue to uh, to get to him. In game two, it's Blake Snell versus Chad Cool. Chad Cool so far in the year, seven innings and five earned runs and two starts. Then you have Joe Musgrove making his return to Pittsburgh, going up against Tyler Anderson, and he's been okay. 10 innings pitch, six earned runs. And then in the final game, it's Chris Paddock versus Mitch Keller. And Mitch Keller is their young 
phenom pitcher, or I don't want to say phenom, but he was their top pitching prospect in in two starts. He's gone eight innings and four in runs. So the Padres have the advantage heavily in three of the outings. And then, you know, Paddock and Keller, I'd say at this point are pretty even. And then when you consider the two lineups, you're, you're, you're giving a significant advantage to the Padres, but what do you make of these pitching matchups? Yeah, Dom. Um, yeah, the first game, I mean, not anything. Not That's a big mismatch right there. We got Darvish versus Cahill. Um, Cahill went in the game against the Reds. They got rocked 14-1 to in a loss. And Cahill, four innings, nine hits, seven earned runs. He really had a tough outing. Um, but Cahill, the Vista High alum, I mean, I don't want to say hopefully, hopefully for Pirates fans that he can step up on, on their side. But Darvish, of course, has the advantage right there. Chad Cool. Um I mean, he, he's been solid this year. Four innings, I mean, not really. Four innings, uh, four runs in his last start. Um, nothing big right there, but Snell will, of course, have the advantage in that one. Uh, then, like you said, Musgrove going back back to Pittsburgh. Um, Musgrove, this will be, his, of course, first start since the no-hitter uh, against Anderson. Um, and Anderson, I mean, nothing special right there. He's, he's not having a great year so far. He... Allowed 10 hits and five and a third against the Cubs in his last outing. They only scored three runs off him, but 10 hits in five innings does not look good. Um, but yeah, and then this last one, Keller versus Paddock. I mean, Keller had a great start his last one. Five innings, one earned run with seven Ks against the Cubs um, on Saturday. But I mean, like you said, this one's a lot more even of a matchup. But of course, this is one of the best teams in NL versus um, one of the bottom sellers in the NL or the bottom feeders in the NL Padres should win this series, at least three to one, of course, four game sweeps are always tough. We know everyone in the league knows that, but Padres should easily win three games. Uh, splits would be pretty disappointing and just getting momentum going into the Dodgers series would be huge. Yeah. Padres. I mean, you know, winning three out of four, you want to try and get some innings out of the starting pitchers. And of course, Chris Paddock, who has yet to go past four innings, in either of his two starts, starting the game on the the the, the travel day, he's going to need to go at least five or six innings to keep the bullpen rested going into that series because that, of course, is huge. And who knows? I mean, th- these are the projected pitching matchups I have on ESPN right now. There's been some rumors. Dennis Lynn was talking about maybe Denelson Lamette getting uh, reinstated from the injured list, and then they'll, they'll have an open spot if uh, Marejon does go on the injured list because, you know, that would open up a roster spot and uh, he could come back and pitch against the pirates. Uh, but there's got, there's got to be options because who knows what the pitching staff is going to look like. And uh, that is a huge talking point and will be a huge storyline out of the series is how deep can these starting pitchers go? Because pirates lineup's not very good. They have a couple of good hitters. I'm a big fan of key Brian Hayes. Their young third baseman, rookie of the year candidate. He, of course, was hurt, though, so that doesn't help out their, their lineup cause at all. And then one note on Tyler Anderson I just wanted to bring up. Pitching in the NL West over the course of his career, the team that he's faced, the third most amount of – or the fourth most amount of innings is the San Diego Padres. And uh, – I'm sorry. The team that he's faced the third most amount of times is the San Diego Padres. And uh, – in 51 career innings, he is a 2.61 ERA against the Padres. So we'll see if the Padres have any more luck against him this time around. And of course, uh, with Pittsburgh, you know, not being great, he's the only left-hander the Padres are going to be facing in the series uh, in terms of the starting rotation because Cahill, Cool, and Keller are all righties. But 
you do get that lefty in the middle of the series. So that'll be interesting to see how those pan out. And then of course, Thursday is going to be an early game and Paddock's had some struggle in day games. So that'll be interesting to see. But yeah. You got anything else you want to talk about, uh, about the series or about just anything? Yeah, I'm just a little bit about the Pirates. I mean, Colin Moran, he, he's been playing pretty well this year. He's been striking out a little bit too much, but he's been putting the ball in play pretty well. Um, and then Evans, uh, he's been having a great year so far. 21 total bases um, with 11 hits so far, three home runs, four RBIs. Um, the RBIs don't jump off the page, but he's in eight games, four RBIs. Of course, he's good early in the season, hitting 393. Um, but he's just one guy in the lineup that's, well, that's one of the better guys. Of course, Reynolds is good. And then there's Hayes, the, as you said, the um, possible rookie of the year, or not possible, sorry, Hayes, the rookie of the year candidate. Um, but just there's nothing much about this lineup that's too scary. Of course, when we'll have our top three in our rotation against these guys, um, hopefully it can line up pretty well for the Dodgers series. It depends what's ever happening to Murray Hone, but this is a four-game series starting from the top. Um, so... Hopefully, just we can get Darvish going deep tomorrow um, or in game one because, I mean, the bullpen day, that kind of gastro guys down. Yeah, it, it'll be the series, you know, you look at it, it's a four-game series against one of the worst teams of baseball, but with what looms afterwards, Dodgers for three, Brewers for three, I know they've been a little disappointing to start the year, but really talented starting pitching staff. And uh, as ESPN has it, going up against the Brewers' top three pitchers, then, of course, the Dodgers for four games after that. So it'll be interesting. And the Potters are going to have to, you know, handle their business in this four-game series. Of course, going on the road, not having a day off in between the Sunday and then Monday games, it'll be interesting. And I, I look to see how this Potters team can handle this test because Potters is a way more talented team here. But they don't show up. It's still 25 or 26 professional baseball players in the other dugout, in the other bullpen. So at any given point, it's baseball. Anything can happen. So Potters just got to go handle their business. You got to try and score more than two or three runs because you can't always do that and win. Now, when you're playing teams like the Rangers and Pirates, you're more than likely going to get away with it compared to facing the Dodgers or the Brewers, but you can't keep doing that. So that, that's my final thoughts. You got anything else? As of right now on the schedule, Dodgers series, three-game series, Sunday night baseball on ESPN. As of now, it is Snell pitching. Uh, the game's actually at 110 um, Pacific time, but Snell is scheduled to pitch that game. Of course, anything can change, uh, but Snell against the Dodgers, uh, hopefully he'll be wanting some revenge that game, and maybe a tingler won't take him out early, depending on how it goes. But I just want to just put that out there. A Snell revenge game against the Dodgers will be a good one. Yep. All right. That's going to wrap up this episode of Devil's Talking Padres. Got a preview of the Pirate Series after recapping the Texas Rangers Series and, of course, talking about the historic Joe Musgrove no-hitter for his hometown, San Diego Padres. And uh, next week, we'll, of course, recap this Pirate Series, and then we'll have a preview for the Dodgers Series. We'll, of course, be talking about the Dodgers a little bit. I will have a guest for that episode uh, for Dodgers because I know plenty of Dodgers fans out here at ASU and just back home, but, you know, getting Cronkite, um, getting Cronkite people, it's devils talking Padres, not Dom's friends talking Padres. So we'll definitely get that. And if you're a Padres fan and you want to be the guest on the next episode, when we record on Thursday afternoon or slash evening, uh, DM one of us, DM me at DMster19 or DM Bobby at Bobby Murphy 2000. And uh, we'll get you hooked up and onto that podcast. Cause of course, 
we want to hear your voices. We want to hear your inputs on the San Diego Padres because, of course, we all love this team. And we all love to talk about them. So there's that. Uh, check out our content at eastvillagetimes.com. I, of course, wrote two of the game recaps, including the one about the no-hitter. That was a ton of fun. I have now wrote game recaps for the first Padres playoff win in 16 years and the first Padres no-hitter. So I think that's a pretty cool opportunity. A bunch of other stories there, not just about the Padres, but about the Aztecs, the uh, the Loyal, and the Goals, all the other teams in the San Diego area. So make sure to check that out because this is an East Village Times podcast. We'll come back to you uh, this Friday or Thursday. Go Padres.